Jacobson. I was actually checking scores. That's horrible. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. Okay. I know, that's bad. Uh, I didn't get a chance to finish checking it, so I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> anyway, okay. How's everybody doing? <laughs> uh, we are going to uh, drive forward with our uh, King's Speech series this morning where we're uh, looking at uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7. Uh, we're starting Matthew 7 this morning, so if you want to turn over there in your Bibles. If you're using one of the uh, Bibles from the rack in the back, it is uh, page 812. 812. Um, so... I don't know if anybody else does this, but um, every once in a while, like, like I, well, I know I am called to do the work that I'm doing, and I feel very fulfilled in doing uh, pastoral work, and actually, you know, in my younger days, tried to run away from it and try other things, and found out that I was not going to find peace or contentment doing anything else than, than, than what I believe God's called me to do. Um, and so, but every once in a while, and I think maybe you probably do this in your career once in a while too, we play this game where kind of in your head you start thinking, if I wasn't doing this, what would I really like to be doing? You know that game you kind of play in your head? And, uh, and for me, a lot of times the, the answer that comes is, I would love to be a movie critic. Like that was, just seems like the best job in the world, being a movie critic. One, I love movies. And two, I really enjoy criticizing. And, uh, and so like I love the whole movie critic vibe, and I, lo- I love getting into films and kind of, you know, well, I like this, and I didn't like this, and, and, uh, and, and you know, I just, I just enjoy that whole thing. And uh, even beyond that, like, maybe even more than that job, I would love to have Gordon Ramsay's job. Uh, you know, the, you ever watch the Kitchen Nightmare show where he goes into the restaurants and just, you know, the restaurants that are struggling and going under, and he just lets them have it, just absolutely lets them have it and tells them everything they're doing wrong. And I thought, like, my dream job, what's that show, uh, Kitchen Nightmares? I would, I would love to do, like, a church nightmare show where I just go into churches and just tell them everything they're doing wrong and try to fix them, and, and that would just be so awesome. I, I think I could, I, could, I could do that. I could at least point out what was going, on, going wrong. And, uh, and so and I, I, I used to get into the, all of the, uh, you know, contest shows, American Idol and America's Got Talent and that sort of thing, and, and I just think if I could walk around with that red buzzer and just buzz people... That'd be a great life. I, I really enjoy that. So we live in this society where uh, criticism uh, tends to be kind of part of the fabric of who we are. And we, we, we do a lot of criticism and we enjoy seeing other people get criticized. No, none of us really enjoy being criticized, uh, but it's, it's oftentimes kind of as an armchair critic uh, fun to kind of engage in that, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, however... Um, it's one thing to kind of do the armchair thing. It's another thing to do, like, like who here has somebody in your life that you know every single, maybe it's a family member and maybe it's a friend, every single time you get around this person, they're going to criticize something about you. You feel judged by them in some way every single time you get around them. Really? Three of you? Three of you. Give me a freaking break. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah I know. You, got, you guys got people. Some of you are like, I'm sitting next to that person. I can't raise my hand. And, and, and so, but it is, we, we feel that way often and, and, uh, and, and it's, and nobody wants to be that person, right? None of us, we don't like being around that person. We don't want to be that person. And a lot of that is built into the fabric of who we are as Christians because of the passage that we're going to read today in Matthew chapter seven, Jesus says this, let's look at it. (laughs) 
Start with verse 1. He says, judge not that you be not judged. There it is, right there, out of the gate. Judge not. Every Christian knows those two words, and, and, it, and most of us just live by that mantra. I'm, it's not my place to judge. Judge not. You know, we don't want to be a judgmental people. Uh, we certainly don't want to appear to be a judgmental church. And, uh, and, and we see churches, uh, you know, in the media and, and things like that, 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 uh, that do come off very judgmental, very hateful. And we don't want to be them. We don't want to associate. We don't even want them to call themselves a church because they're really not. They're just hateful jerks out there, you know, doing hateful things under the name of Jesus. And so this is where we get that feeling from. If there, if you are a person who feels like, no, I, I, I don't want to be a judgmental person. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that type of guy. I don't want to be that type of girl. Uh, that this is where that comes from. This verse, judge not that you be not judged. Let's keep reading. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And a lot of times we read this verse, we, 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 we think, you know, we believe that what Jesus is teaching us is that if we are judging other people, then we can expect to be judged by God. We'll come back to that. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And then he says this, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. So Jesus gave us this teaching about judging and and. and a lot of kind of famous aspects of that teaching where, you know, the, first of all, just right out of the gate, the judge not. And then he goes on to talk about how, uh, you know, we've, we've heard, you know, that, you know, don't, don't try to take the splinter out of my eye when you've got a stinking log shooting out of your eye. In other words, take care of your own business first, mind, you know, mind your own business type of thing, right? And so uh, he gives us this teaching. Now, it's a great teaching, not, not against this teaching at all. It's a, it's a great teaching. Uh, however, when you read the rest of the Bible, it seems to contradict other teachings in the Bible. Look over where Paul, where Paul writes in Corinthians. Put that up there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul says this. I wrote to you in my letter. I'm going to come over here. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this word world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. So he, Paul's thing is he's like previously I wrote you a letter and said don't associate with people of loose character, loose morals. And he said but I wasn't talking about people outside of the church like the people of the world in the society that you live in and you know the the culture that you live in because you can't exist if you separate from everybody like that who are you going to do business with who are you going to buy your products from who are you going to be neighbors with you know you you would have to like pull yourself off of this planet in order to uh obey that teaching if that's what i meant he's like that's not what i meant but he says but now i'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reveler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have... Okay, so, so let me stop right there. He's like, I'm not talking about people, like separating yourself from people in the world. I'm talking about 
there are times when you need to separate yourself from people in this room right here who are going down a path that is contrary to God's word and are unrepentant about that. Now, I don't know if that gives anybody else a little bit of anxiety, right? Jesus just told us not to judge, and all of a sudden it sounds like we're getting kind of judgy on each other and and that sort of thing. But he says, again, uh, for, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. So purge the evil person from among you. So Paul's whole philosophy when it comes to judgment is this. We have no business judging people outside the church. We do have a vested interest in judging people inside the church. All right, I'm going to unpack that uh, before you get nervous and start thinking, okay, I found myself in a wackadoo church this morning. I'm going to unpack that and make it clear here in just a second. But, but let, me, let me just kind of say what he's saying there. We have no business judging people who are outside the church. Instead, we should be judging each other in the church, our brothers and sisters. <clears throat> now, before I unpack that, can I just say, is it not like clear to everyone else that we as Christians get this completely backwards? We get this, this teaching completely backwards. All I ever see is people up in arms and being judgmental about people who are outside the church. All the Facebook posts and all the, all the memes and all the everything else and all the, you know, just nag, nag, nagging about how horrible. Can, can, we just, can, we, can we all get on some common ground this morning? And let's all come to the realization that we live in a very jacked up sinful world. We know that. So we don't need you to remind us of that. We know it. It is obvious to everyone. It's obvious to people outside the church how jacked up this world is. They don't need you to point out to them how far from God, how sinful they are. They don't need you to be judgmental of them as people. What, in other words, God is saying, this, this judging, thing, judging people outside of the church this is above your pay grade. That's my job. That's my job. Let me take the Holy Spirit will do the job of getting into people's lives and pointing out there where they have fallen uh, from God and wandered from God. And he will do the work of drawing them back in. Now, he may use you in that process in some capacity, but that process, that capacity is not judgment. But he says, instead of judging all these people outside, by the way, it's so easy to judge people outside the church. Why? Because most of the time we don't know them and they're far from us. And it's really easy to kind of throw rocks at people that we know we're never going to see or meet again. But he says, you know what you want to, what you should be doing. Don't be judging people outside the church. What you should be doing is judging each other. Judging each other. Go ahead. The very next verse in in, uh, chapter six says this. When one of you has a grievance against another... Does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So right now, Paul's talking about, you know, when, when Christ comes back and all things are set right, and he's, he ushers in his kingdom. The Bible tells us that the saints, those who follow Jesus Christ, will in some way take place uh, or take part with Jesus in the judgment of the nations. And I don't know exactly how that's all going to play out, 
But his whole point is, if God, if I, God's saying, if I trust you to help me judge the nation someday, don't you think you guys can judge your own trivial things that are going on? Why are you taking each other to court? That just makes us all look bad. You, you guys can work this out for yourself. And, and so he's talking about that. So there's, Paul gives us kind of several areas of, of, of life where we are actually called in the context of church life to judge one another. And yet Jesus is saying, judge not. So is there a contradiction or what's, what's going on? I think the part, uh, you know, has, have you ever, um, okay, husbands, you can identify with me on this. Who here uh, listens to your wife for like one, maybe two sentences, and then after that it's like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. And, 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 so, and then later on, I know, I'm the only one, I know. And so... So, and, 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 and then later on you hear, I told you, you know, uh, I was going to do this, or I told you, you know, I asked you to take care of this. And you're like, I, I never heard that. You did not say that. Yes, I did. And I was like, well, and, and then my response is always then you got to say that quicker. There's a, there's a countdown. There's a, once you start talking, there's a countdown of how long I'm going to be listening. Right. And so. And I think we, we have all done this same thing with Jesus' teaching. Go back to uh, Matthew 7, <coughs> verse, verse 1, where we hear, judge not that you be judged, and then everything else is wah, 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 wah. And we've only partially listened to what Jesus said, because what Jesus actually says in this verse is, judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you'll be judged, and with the measure you use it will be measured to you. I don't think Jesus is actually telling us, don't judge I think he's kind of giving us a wise teaching to say, say, when you judge people, you can count on yourself someday being judged in the same way. In other words, it's like your parents used to tell you, what goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. It's not about don't judge ever. In fact, he kind of contradicts himself. If you read it that way, he contradicts, when you look down at verse 5, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's not saying don't take the speck out of his eye. He's saying, he's saying first, you know, go to it with pure heart and pure motives. If you've got you to do this, if you've got to talk to somebody about a heart issue, if you've got, if you got to, uh, you know, uh, point somebody's sin out to them or, or deal with a sin issue, make sure you're doing that with pure heart and pure motives. Make sure you're doing that in a way. Uh, and actually, I think the key to this whole teaching is actually found just a few verses later, put up there Matthew 7, verse 12. In verse 12, this is what he says, and you've all heard this. So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. It's the golden rule, right? Treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And I think that's his whole teaching here about judging. Count on the fact that if you tend to be a very harsh, very critical, very judgmental person, if that's the way you live your life, and you can bank on the fact that when the day comes that it's your turn to be judged, you will probably be treated by other people the same way. You'll probably be what goes around comes around. So do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. That's the teaching here. It's not don't judge ever. Instead, it's use wisdom and love and compassion in your judgments of each other. Here's the thing. Like, we have such an aversion to this word judgment in church world because we don't want, again, like I said, we don't want to be, we don't want to come across as hypocrites or judgmental or whatever. None of us want that. But sometimes judging is actually a loving thing to do. 
It's a loving thing to do. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. How is judging a loving thing to do? Anybody in this room that's a parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. You can talk all you want. I'll talk a big game about how I never judge, I never judge, I never judge. And every one of you parent, that, that rule goes out the window when it comes to your kids. You judge all over the place when it comes to your kids. And it's not because you're some sort of high and mighty person above them. It's because you love them and care about them. When, when it, if I see my kid, my, one of my little ones, running off into traffic, I am not going to stand back and say, okay, let's see how this goes. That's, you know, she, just hold on. She's going to learn a really good lesson there. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> She's going to learn a doozy of a lesson, right? No, a loving parent goes and grabs that kid by the arm and pulls them back and says, you are foolish for doing that, and now let me teach you why you have judged them as foolish. And I'm going to now teach you how not to be foolish. How not to be foolish. We do the same thing with, with our older kids too. Any, in fact, anybody in your life that you genuinely love and care about, you will go to them, if you see them heading down a destructive path, you will go to them and say, I am concerned for you because this is not going to end well. It's not going to end the way you think it's going to end. And we need to talk about this. And, and if you'll listen to me, I'd like to share some wisdom with you about this because this, is, this path that you're on is going to lead to your destruction. It's going to lead to some bad stuff if you don't change course. This is the way we live and interact with people that we genuinely, genuinely love. And, and the whole point of Paul's teaching and Jesus' teaching here is it should be no different in the church. One of the things that we talk a big game about here at Living Hope Church is that we are a family and we genuinely love each other. Like we, I, I love you guys as your pastor, as, as, a, as a brother in Christ. I love you so much. I have genuine concern. I cry tears over the situations of your lives. I mean, I mean you're, you're my family. But I can't say those words if I see you, any one of you heading down a destructive path and then just step back and say, uh, I'll just let them figure it out. That's not love. That's not the way love looks. Love looks like you going to that person and saying, we need to have a talk. Let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let's, let's, let's go have a talk. And, and, and you say, I, I, you know, I know some things, some things in your life. And you can, if, I'm, if I'm perceiving this wrong, tell me because I might be. But it looks like these are the decisions that you're making, and, I, and I, it just concerns me because you know, that's not what God's word teaches us. And I think the result of those decisions are going to be, you know, it's going to go bad for you. And I love you, and I'm concerned about you. And how can I? Can I that's that's good and proper judgment right there. That's good and proper judgment. That's judgment that is not about you being high and mighty and above everybody else, but rather judgment that is about. That is motivated by love, which is, our, which is our point. Put that point up there. That let your judgment always be motivated by and tempered by love. Let your judgment always be motivated by and tempered by love. That when we are judging each other properly. I know it's, it's a weird word to use. We don't like using that word. But, but we're just gonna, I'm just going to use the biblical language here, okay? When we're judging each other in a way that... Christ and Paul and his writings meant for us to, to do. It does not look like hypocrisy. It does not look like hate. It does not even really look like judgment. Instead, it just looks like an act of love. It looks and feels like an act of love. There's this thing in church life 
That's called the church discipline. Now, depending on your background in churches, you know, that could mean different things to you. I'll tell you what it means at Living Hope. Church discipline is when the spiritual leaders of the church, <coughs> when we notice uh, um, one of you beginning to make a pattern of, of um, decisions that we think is destructive in your case, spiritually, that could kind of spiritually be, be destructive for you. Um, that's leading you down a path that is contrary to God's word. That's going to lead your family down a path that, that you're going to have a trouble getting back from. When we notice a pattern of those decisions, and I say a pattern because we all make mistakes from time to time, but when that becomes this kind of pattern of uh, walking away from God and what he, uh, you know, command, the way he commands us to live, then the spiritual leaders of this church uh, might approach you and just say, hey, like I just, just like I outlined before, hey, let's talk and I've noticed, I've noticed this and I'm just concerned. How can, how can we help? I know, you know, you know what God's word says and I know you want to follow God. So how can we help in this? It's not about us going, you screwed up, get out of the church. That's not church discipline. That's just being a jerk. Church discipline is about, I walked, um, several of us elders several years ago, walked alongside a member of our church who was uh, making some very destructive decisions in her life. And um, uh, we were very concerned about her. And, and so we, um, we felt the need to, to speak to her and just address the situation with her. And, and I'll tell you that this is not, this is, you know, for the elders of the church, this is not, never a situation that we, like we don't want to be the moral police around here. That's not, that's not our calling, Right. But occasionally, if it's a situation that we feel like is going to be really hurtful to a person or uh, might disrupt the unity of our congregation, then, then we feel the need to, to kind of step in and talk. And, and, and so it was going to be a hard conversation. I remember just tons of prayer going into this and lots of tears. It's never something that we take lightly. And, um, and I, was, I remember one night praying over the situation, and I, and I felt God kind of impress back on me uh, it, it was just like I felt him speak to me. And, and what I, what I the, the nudge I felt from the Holy Spirit was this. Jeff, you cannot discipline someone <clears throat> that you're not also discipling. You cannot discipline someone that you're not also discipling. And it was like God saying, before you jump into this and have this hard conversation, the truth is you barely know this person. Get to know them. Earn the right to speak some truth and some wisdom into their life. And that, we kind of changed our course and we did that. <clears throat> and we, and we, we kind of rallied around this person and got to know them better and, and, uh, and like I said, earned the right to speak some hard truths in, into this person's life. And, it, and again, it was never about you're screwing up, get out of here. It was about you're obviously struggling in your faith. How can we help? How can we help? You see the difference? See the difference in, in, in like harsh judgment and just love and concern for somebody that you genuinely care about? There's a, it's, there's a difference. And that's what good and godly judgment should look like, should feel like. I, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I, I'm, as, a, as a pastor, I, my status is not higher than anybody else's in this church. And, and if you see me heading down a seriously sinful and destructive path, you have just as much authority to come to me in love and, and say, I'm concerned. 
What can we do to help? That's what love looks like. That's the kind of spiritual family that you actually want to be a part of. Because here's the thing. We've all seen churches where, where sin goes uh, unchecked. I see, you know, maybe we're in a church and I, I see someone struggling in an area of their life, but I'm too timid to say anything about it. I don't want to, you know, you know, create any waves. And so we just don't say anything and uh, kind of back away from the situation. And what happens, generally speaking, what happens is that person keeps going down that path until they eventually kind of wander from God. And suddenly they're just not in church anymore. And then for those churches, the leaders in those types of churches that don't want to address hard issues, a lot, I think a lot of times they breathe the sigh of relief. That's over. They're gone. I don't have to deal with that anymore. When the, it might be harder work to actually confront someone. Like, I don't know if you guys have figured it out, but love is oftentimes hard work. Love oftentimes takes effort. Love oftentimes is uncomfortable. So we have these loving conversations with one another. Again, not in a, and I think Jesus gives us such a great picture of what that should look like when he says, you know, don't, don't pull the splinter out of, you know, somebody's eye when you've got the log shooting out of your eye. In other words, you know, before you go and, and approach someone about an issue that you've noticed in their life, you do some heart search of your own. Make sure that, you know, I mean, if, if you see somebody that's a big gossip and you feel like you need to go talk to them about their tendency to gossip, if you are the biggest gossip in town, maybe you shouldn't be having that conversation with them, right? Maybe, maybe that's a better conversation for someone else. Or how about even better, maybe you get your own junk cleaned up before you try to clean up someone else's. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect before you approach someone because none of us would ever, ever be able to do that. But what we do is, is the reason we don't have to be perfect when we approach each other is this. I never stand before you up here. I never come to you in a one-on-one conversation under my own authority. It is always under the authority of the word of God and of God himself. It's, it's always under the authority of the word of God. I don't stand up and say, you shouldn't do this because I just don't think you shouldn't do that. Instead, I, I say, you know, live your life this way because God's word says. That's where we get the authority. So that's where we get the authority to approach one another in love. So I know this is a, kind of a different teaching for a lot of you because you've, you, you've just had it so hard ingrained into your head. Don't judge, don't du- judge, don't judge. I'm going to tell you that the type of judgment that the Bible does prescribe for us is not the uh, prideful, arrogant, um, hateful type of judgment that we most often associate with that word judgment. Instead, it's this way of living uh, lovingly and peacefully with one another. And, go, and, and, and here's the deal. When you approach somebody about an issue in their life, um, you know, that may go well and it may not. I'm just going to be honest with you. It may go well and it may not. It may, they may receive that and go, I, I feel how you love me. I really do. And I appreciate you coming to me. I've, I've had that response more often than not. And then once in a while, you get somebody who is so upset that they're being called out in an area of their life, even if it's done in an extremely loving way. Once in a while, you get somebody that says, that'll just be like, you know, who do you think you are? You're not perfect. You're right, I'm not. 
I just, I just love you and I'm concerned. Generally speaking, though, when you go to somebody in love, what happens, even if they don't take it well immediately, once they've had time to kind of think about it, let it roll around in their head and do some self-inspection, that sort of thing, almost always that person will come back to you and go, you know what, I've been thinking about this and you were right. You were right. I do need some help through this. Thank you for pointing this out in me. It was the wake-up call that I needed. That's generally people's response. Very rarely does somebody hold on to that feeling of offense. That's very rare. Let's be people, though, in this church who will love each other enough to not just watch each other walk off of cliffs, but instead love each other enough to go to each other and say, hey, I, I love you and I'm concerned. And, you know, just have that loving conversation with them. Like I, I, want, I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that kind of church. Why? Because that's actually a church. That's actually a church. Anything else is just a bunch of people getting together and living, you know, hiding all of your secrets or whatever. If we're going to be an authentic body of believers, a body of believers that when we come in here, uh, when we come together, we're not putting on masks. We get to be who we are, you know, faults and all. If you're going to be that, then occasionally we have to own our faults. And occasionally we have to approach each other about uh, things that are troubling. Have hard conversations with each other. Like I said, these are conversations oftentimes that come with with tears and prayers and and, and that sort of thing. But that's good. That's good, healthy church life. Because here's the deal. My goal for all of you is not just that you keep coming back every week. My goal for every one of you is to see you move closer to Jesus Christ. And when we have that goal for each other, sometimes the way we do that is by having uncomfortable conversations. And before any of us start feeling prideful, every single one of us at multiple points in our life are going to have situations where we need a caring brother or sister to kind of remind us what's true. Every single one of us. None of us are above that. So rather than, you know, being offended or being afraid to offend, instead, let's just love one another. Like genuinely, really, love one another. And when you love one another, I mean, when, 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 when you're talking to somebody that you genuinely care about and genuinely love, you don't have to be afraid of offending them because... Because this is what love looks like. This is what love does. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, your word is good to us this morning. And even if it's kind of weird and, and uh, um, difficult for us to, at times, put into practice, thank you for the wisdom of your word. And so, God, I want to ask <laughs> that you would forgive us when we are hateful and judgmental. We all have times in our life when we fall into that trap. Forgive us. Remind us of who we are and who you are. Um, Knock us down off of our pedestals if we get too comfortable up there. Um, God, I also want to ask forgiveness when uh, we are too timid to show true love to our brothers and sisters, our friends here. Um, 
instead only want to keep the peace and keep people happy. And we, we know we should have a difficult conversation with someone and, and we choose not to. Convict us of that, God, and, and remind us that that's not ro- what love really looks like. Um, God, if, if there's any of us that, um, and, and I'm just going to assume it's all of us, that we, we still need you to continue to shape us and mold us into the people that you've called us to be. And part of that process is working out the rough places in our life. And so, God, I pray that you would send people into our lives as, as your followers, that you would send people into our lives that would help us become more like you, that would point us to a closer relationship with you, that would speak to us in love and concern, but speak to us in truth. Surround us with people who care that much about us. Um, forgive us when we cast judgment on people outside of the church when you have directly told us in your word that we have no business doing that. So God, I, we're just asking you that you would uh, help us make, that you would make us more like you. More like you. So we give ourselves to you one more time. We ask you to guide us in, in the wisdom that only comes from you and your Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.